Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Victoria, and I have the privilege of serving here at the Grove in our Grove Kids Ministry, which is just on the other side of this wall. And um, really, it's just, it's super fun, and I love doing it. And here at the Grove, we exist to be a place where everyone can gather in community, grow in their relationships, and go as followers of Jesus. And so I feel like whenever I enter a new space or community, I wonder, you know, what do these people value? And so right off the bat, I'll tell you that our three values are honor, honesty, and hospitality. So hopefully as you're in this room or interacting online, you feel a little bit of our heart in those things. Uh, this is my family. Here we are. I should probably introduce them too. Um, my husband, John, my daughter, Elise, who is four and a half. The half is very, very important to her. And so a lot of what we'll be talking about today includes her. And we've been in a series, Dusty's out of town this week, he'll be back next week. This series is called Greater, and it is based on John chapter 3, verse 30, which says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So last week, he talked about having a greater direction for your life, and he'll be coming back next week and adding on to that, because there's plenty more that goes with direction in our life. Um, Grove Kids, too, going back to that real quick, I think that... Uh, you know, you'll find me a lot on, on that side. I'll say hi, and then I walk back over and kind of hide. And I think that it's easy to assume that we sort of exist to babysit so that this room is a little quieter, and then parents can have like a kid-free moment to just experience church. Um, however, there's a lot of intention and reason behind what we do on Sunday mornings. And the reason is simply we love partnering with parents, getting to know children, and then hopefully pointing them or inspiring them to have their own relationship with God, one that is personal and genuine, and it's based on the Bible, which is a lot of what we do here on Sunday mornings, but also with a group of friends who are walking right alongside with them on the same journey. And so I think that's why a lot of people come to church in general, and so we just start that at a really young age. So we love what we do in Grove Kids. And today's message is about influence. And in that greater series, it's about having a greater influence, specifically on the next generation. But I will tell you, this is not a parenting message. I feel like only having four and a half years of experience, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving a parenting chat. I would need a panel of parents to do that with me. In fact, uh, as you saw in the picture, we were outside. Our family, we love camping. And we learned real quick that if you want to get good camping spots, the places you want to go, you've got to book them well in advance. And so in January, we booked a camping trip. It's actually for next month, August. And it's our longest trip. We're super excited. We've been looking forward to it. We invited my in-laws. This place is great. And as it's gotten closer and closer, we've been preparing. The other day I got an email, Elise has one where you're preschool, so open that up and pull up the school calendar, and sure enough, I see, okay, here's the date, and I thought, this date looks familiar. Check over my planner. We just so happened to book our longest and most fun camping trip during her first week of school, so uh, August, great for camping, also the start of school, take a note and learn that from me, but that's what you're getting on the parenting front today. 
So last thing, let's pray so that, you know, God can <laughs> calm me down and we can use what we're doing here uh, to have a productive but also great Sunday morning together. So thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for Sunday. Thank you for every person that you brought in this room and the place that we have that we can gather. I thank you so much. Help us to open our ears, open our hearts, whatever it is you want to show us today. We just ask that you do that for us today. We love you, God, and we thank you. Amen. All right, so we're talking about next generation. I think the first thing that comes to mind next generation-wise is social media. And so we know social media includes tons of different avenues, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, it goes on and on. But really interesting about social media is this role. And the role is called an influencer. And so it's real. These people are influencers. Basically what they do, either they're a celebrity or they've gained a following of thousands and thousands of people for whatever reason. And their job is to point people, their followers, to certain products uh, or maybe positions or stances on things that are happening. And really, you don't know these people, but that's kind of their job and that's what they do. They share their life and then they point you to things. And so influencer immediately made me thought think of that. And then it made me think of looking up the actual definition of influence to see exactly what we're talking about today. So here's our definition. It's a noun. We know nouns are person, places, or things. And here's the thing. And it ha- it is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. It can also be used as a verb, have an influence on, which is what we're talking about today. Um, But that's kind of the base of the whole conversation today on having an influence. And in my opinion, uh, you can be an influencer on social media and not have a relationship with someone, but still point them somewhere. Or in our normal everyday lives, you can have an influence on someone based on the relationship that you have with them, right? You can be a good influence or a bad influence. And then just even between those, there's a lot more types of influence. So that's my next slide talking about parental influence. And I know it said it wasn't just strictly for parents, but um, this is just child development. So we see that there's parental influence, um, even if it's other family members that are caregivers um, or peer influence. And so you can see that chart. What I like about this picture is the bottom. So on the bottom, we see care, guide, engage, affirm, and mobilize. And those things are really important because those are different stages and types of influence. So when you start in the care phase, you think about tiny little sweet babes all the way up to about two years old. Uh, That's your influence on them is the care that you provide them. Their main motivation is comfort. And that makes sense. Babies cry. They get comforted. And their question inside, their core question, if you will, is, is, am I safe? And that's what's happening in that care phase. Then we move over to guide. And those are our three to five-year-olds. That's where Elise fits right in. And I see her marked to a T based on this. And so we're guiding. That's the influence that we provide. We're guiding. Um, Her motivation is exploration. And that's evident in that she is everywhere all the time and everything, exploration. And her questions are, am I able and is this okay? Moving on, we have our engage phase, which is elementary, kinder through fifth grade. Um, Their motivation is fun, and that's pretty obvious in elementary kids. And their questions are, do I have your attention? Do I have what it takes? And do I have friends? Moving on, we see that intersection of influence, 
which is middle school. And so right there in that parental influence, what type of influence we're having, this is affirm, right? So how are we affirming them? Their main motivation is acceptance. So who likes me? Who do I like? Do I like me? And who am I? And then our last stage is mobilize. And we think high schoolers in that phase, they're getting ready to spread their wings and fly, fly away. So freedom is their motivation. Where do I belong? Why should I believe? How can I matter? And what will I do? Lots of really great questions that we probably face in different seasons of our life. But this corresponds directly to where they're at um, in their life. So influence, why does it matter? Why should we want to have influence on anyone, really? Um, and the truth is, even if you don't want to have influence on someone, you still have influence, whether or not you want to have it, based on how you live your life and all of the different eyes that are watching you. It's there. But I found two verses, um, one that's just kind of in the Old Testament that sets this up, and then two, where we're going to be today. And Judges 2.10 is my first one. And it says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So again, if you don't pass along this sort of, uh, if you don't share your life, you're not going to pass along things to the next generation and then things get forgotten. And that's obvious here. Um, you can read the whole passage, but that's exactly what happened. People didn't know what in the world had happened to their um, people, what God did for them. And then our next one, which is where we're going to be today in John chapter 11, two verses, John 9, or John 11, verse 9, and through 11. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. That already got me. I'm like, okay, it's obvious. We all have the same amount of time every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. So we all have the same amount of time. We see here the uh, daytime, which is the light. And that can that's pretty obvious. If you're in an unfamiliar room and the light is on, you can see you know where you're going. And if it's dark and you don't know where you are, you're probably going to stumble and fall. You can also look at it on a deeper level, like the condition of your heart. Like where are you at? Is it light and full of joy and peace and great things that God can provide? Um, or is there darkness that maybe there's stuff that's hidden and not being shared with others? You're maybe more isolated. And then Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But here's the part. But now I will go and wake him up. Jesus, right? Son of God, super powerful, can do whatever he wants to do with anyone he wants. Yet he takes the ownership and says, I will go and wake him up. There's other stories where Jesus like speaks things and it happens. But in this case, he's making the time for some reason. And we'll see later there's a lesson and a purpose to show up and do this life-changing thing for Lazarus. So when I read those things, um, I meet with Dusty and Heather every week. We talk about life. We talk about the Grove. We talk about leadership, ministry, all kinds of things. They know my heart and where I'm at and why I'm doing what I'm doing with the Grove. And when they asked me to do this, of course, my first immediate was like, mm, mm, let me think about it. So I wouldn't have to say no directly. Um, but also knowing like what is in my heart and what God and Jesus challenges you to do. And when you read this and you see Jesus going to do something, like sure, 
Is this uncomfortable? I'll be honest. It's not. I would rather be on that side of the wall hanging out with my little friends. Like it's a great place to be. Um, but I also think it's really important to talk about influence, why we're doing what we're doing, and also how we live our life and living with intention, I think was what got me the most. So we're talking about John chapter 11. That's where we're at today. It's not a super long story, but I'll make sure we're all familiar with it. The main characters of the story are Jesus, Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and then there's some extras who um, at the end we find out what they do with it. So instead of reading the entire part of the chapter, I'm just going to sum it up for you and then we'll hit some of the verses as we go. But John chapter 11, if you want to go home and read it for yourself. But basically, we hear that Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary come out in the Bible and a couple other places. Um, We know one time they hosted Jesus and Martha's the lady of the household. She's the big sister. She's like doing the dishes, doing the food, all real busy. And then Mary's sitting and listening to Jesus and enjoying this time and Martha's big sister gets mad at little sister and so we kind of see the dynamic set up there and they have a brother named Lazarus and so Lazarus is sick and Martha and Mary know this is a big deal we need to do something about it and then they send they call for help and they send word to Jesus and they tell him Lord the one you love is sick so Jesus is with his disciples somewhere else and he hears about it and he tells his disciples right off the bat like He's sick, but this is not going to end in death. Like, And right away, he's honest with them. He said that it's for God's glory, this whole thing, and God's going to be glorified in it. And then the disciples are confused. They don't understand. They're like, well, like if he just sleeps and he'll wake up, he'll rest and he'll be fine. And, and God's like, no, you don't, or Jesus, you know, you don't understand. Like he's going to die, but it's going to all be for God's glory. Just wait and see. So eventually, two days later, he doesn't go right away. He waits two days, and then he heads on his way to go see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Um, So after he gets there, Martha finds out that Jesus has arrived. And in that time, you're supposed to, when someone dies, just stay home. I think it's like seven days, they said. Um, You're supposed to stay home and just be there. And then other people will come and comfort you and, and cry with you and different things. But That's what you're supposed to do. So Jesus arrives, and as soon as Martha found out, she ran out to go meet him. And so she's our, like, doer Martha, right, big sister. And she right away sees Jesus, and she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know now, even now, I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And so that's their exchange. Then she goes, tells her sister Mary, and then um, we'll see Mary's exchange in a minute. Um, But that's where we're at there with Martha receiving Jesus, and right away, her first thing is, like, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. So he's been dead for, um, I think it was, we'll have to look and see, four days he's already been in the tomb. So 
we kind of see this whole situation. Something really bad has happened. Martha and Mary call for Jesus, and then he shows up. And in this story, I'm like, okay, um, what do we what do we learn from this that we can apply in our lives? Because I don't think that if I had a family member who died, I would call and someone would come and then raise someone back to dead if that's what's going to happen. So what do we get from here? We have three points today that we're just going to chat about and see what do we do when we leave today based on these three points. So to have a greater influence, how do we have a greater influence on someone who's younger than us, next generation? The first thing, and I knew whatever story I picked, this would be the first thing, and that's pointing them to Jesus. So we live a life that um, has a relate. we have a relationship with God or Jesus, and, and it's evident in the decisions that we make, how we live, how we treat other people. I mean, there's certain characteristics of Jesus that we know, like no matter where you're at on the spectrum of believing, if there's if you're following the character of Jesus, then you're going to be a kind human being and you're going to be loving and hospitable and everything that we see and we'll learn more about Jesus from this story. Because if we have a relationship with a young person and we want to have an impact, the first thing that I think about is pointing them to Jesus because we're all human and we're all going to mess up. I get impatient and hangry and I say things and I'm short and I'm snappy. And, you know, if I think about my relationship with Elise, like I apologize to her all the time, you know, and I own it and I apologize because I'm not perfect. But who is the one that can provide that unconditional love that will always be just the best to her? Well, we see it here as an example, the love of God as her father. And so I think about that the most. We might think of someone who maybe we knew they were a Christian, they had a relationship with God, but then on some sort of public scale, man, they did something awful. Or on a personal level, they hurt you really bad. And then that turns you away and makes you think like, man, if that's what being a Christian is about, I want nothing to do with that. So why put yourself in that position or hold someone up on a pedestal to to do that for a young person. Instead, just point them to Jesus, to the one who is perfect and is not going to mess it up. And then they'll know, and that will set them up for a healthier relationship later in life because you're not that one that's trying to save them and do it all. And that was either way, I'm like, whatever story I pick, I know that it's going to be about pointing them to Jesus because when you're young, you're really impressionable and a lot of life happens and it's just important to have that solid foundation and relationship with someone who is perfect. And so Mary and Martha, first person they call, who can they depend on? They know he's amazing. They call Jesus when their brother is sick and they're in their scariest and just biggest moment of life. Point number two is do what you say and say what you do, right? That is integrity and that is the basis of every relationship. If you think of a relationship that you have, if you want a relationship that is deep and it is long lasting, you have to have integrity. Honesty builds trust and trust is just, I mean, you can break it and it takes a long time to build it up. And so if you are a person that does what they say, then someone who's young is going to see that in your life. It's going to be obvious because it's not just you saying these things. It is the way that you live. You say it and you follow through and you do it. And so I think you just have to have that in a relationship for that depth and for that trust. And in several instances of that story, 
Um, first is when he's talking to his disciples, he tells them right away, like, this isn't going to end in death. Like, this is for a reason, and it's for God's glory. He talks to Martha. He tells her the same thing. Your brother's going to rise again. And then she goes, like, deeper, deeper. Um, but either way, he always says what he's going to do. Uh, maybe he doesn't give, like, the full detail of it, but he's honest, and then he follows through. And so I think you just have to have that. And, again, those influencers on social media, they don't have the depth of a relationship that would maybe impact someone on such a life-changing level. You might buy a product or something because they pointed you to it based on a testimonial, um, which is fine. But when we think about the people we have relationships with, and you're with them every day or once a week, whatever the frequency is, sometimes more or less based on who they are, um, that honesty and that integrity is just super key for a deep connection. And then our last point here is preparing space. And so prepare space right away. It makes me think of hosting. I love hosting. I will have people over to eat or invite them over to stay. I think it's really fun to set a space up and make sure they have everything that they need and that we want to have a lot of fun together. So this is a place to do that. We do that on Sundays or before Sundays. We prepare the space so whoever walks in the door, we want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel that we have spent time, that we're intentional and we're thoughtful and we're thinking of you even before you get there. And that's what we do in our house and what we're trying to raise a lease with. When you're hosting, you're thinking of that other person and you might set the space up, but it's more than that. Another way to prepare space is preparing space in your heart for someone. So when we see in a second and we talk about Mary as an example, she's in a really, really sad place and Jesus creates space and also holds that with her. So first word that comes to mind when I think preparing space in your heart is empathy. And I think that a lot of people know about sympathy and compassion. Um, empathy is definitely a skill that it takes a lot of practice. They say it's like a muscle, you got to work it. And my favorite um, explanation is from Brene Brown, who's amazing. And she has this really amazing video. Um, there's one on YouTube that's it's about like two and a half minutes. And this is the kid-friendly version. Um, I think either way it looks like this, but based on some of the things they talk about, this is a kid-friendly one. And it's wonderful because what we see here in these cute little cartoon animals is a fox who's in a really bad place. And actually in the video, they show like the fox going down into a deep hole. And you see the little ladder over there. And our bear friend here um, goes down, climbs down the ladder to sit with and be with friend fox. And that already is like, wow. Um, later in the video, because the bear represents empathy, later in the video, we see this other cartoon animal like pop in its head. And it's really funny because the popping in of the head animal is, is representing sympathy and how um, sympathy, you don't have to be in it with that person. Sympathy is the silver lining person or it could be worse or like, hey, let's go eat and you'll feel better kind of thing. And that's our little animal that just kind of pops in. And there's four characteristics of empathy. So you know you're doing it if you're doing one of these things. The first one is perspective taking. So putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And that's really hard, I think, for some people because we can get just 
busy in our own life and then you forget to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, perspective taking, staying out of judgment and listening. So that's asking questions instead of being quick to judge. I think that immediately when I think of young people, um, the kid who didn't make the team or didn't get the girl or their friend said something really mean to them. And instead of patting them on the back and saying like, hey, in the scheme of life, this isn't going to matter. You won't, you won't remember this when you're in your thirties or whatever. Um, or, Hey man, there's another girl out there for you or that sort of just dismissal the pat pat and moving on. Like we know that your life experience tells you that there's bigger and other things out there, but when you want to have a deep connection and influence somebody, they need you to sit with them. And that's empathy is feeling with people. The last one is communicating, or there's two, recognizing emotion in another person that you may have felt before. So it may you may not have that experience with not making the team, but there was another experience that made you feel really, really awful and excluded, and maybe that's the feeling that you need to remember to help that person, and then communicating that you recognize that. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing, like I'm saying, and it's not like, oh, I've been there too. We'll get over it together. You know, It's understanding that this is where they are. I've been there too, and here's kind of my story or whatever that is. So empathy is feeling with people. And so since we just learned a new skill, I want to do one more new skill, and then we'll see how Jesus does what he does, and we can figure out what that means for us today. So empathy, new word, new skill. Maybe it's a word that you already knew, but it always takes practice. Another skill, one that we try to do a lot in Growth Kids, is memory verses. So if you don't have your Bible or your phone with you, it's nice to just have a verse that in whatever situation comes up, like you know it. It's in your heart. It's in your mind. I've got this to reassure me or give me a truth when I'm hearing lies, whatever that is. So I need your participation because it doesn't work if you don't do it with me. I need you to memorize a verse, okay? And it's going to be a really good one, I promise. So we're memorizing John chapter 11, verse 35. And I will do a repeat after me. Are you ready? Okay. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Nailed it. That's it. We've got it. Uh, my father-in-law talks about this verse all the time when people say they can't memorize scripture. And he's like, I got one for you. You know, it's the shortest verse. Um, but this is the verse that made me choose this story. Because I really think, in again, young people. That connection is so important, and this is just that, I mean, Jesus wept. If you think crying is weakness, and then you see that Jesus, the Son of God, like, person who is so powerful, walked a perfect life, and he cried, like, okay, so obviously crying is not weakness. Uh, Maybe it's not something you do every day, but um, it's certainly a powerful thing for a lot of reasons, and in here we see how it's powerful for connection. So we looked at Martha a second ago. We saw that when he had a conversation with her, it was a pretty like deep thought type of conversation. um, And we got it. And that's how he related to Martha. That's where she was at. She needed some questions answered. He answered them. And hopefully that made her feel a little bit like she knew that he was in her corner. The other situation is Mary. So Mary goes out to meet him after Martha tells her. And it says that she um, 
when she went out, the other people who were also mourning with them went because she left so quickly. They all thought, oh, something must be happening at the tomb. So they followed her and Jesus saw her weeping. And then he saw the crowd that had come to comfort her and they were weeping too. And it says he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And so again, in that situation, he could have patted Mary on the back and said, oh, Mary, like, I'm going to bring your brother back to life. Like, don't waste those tears. Or, oh, Mary, like, you're so sensitive. (laughs) Um, But no, instead, he felt that with her and he sat there with her. And then he also cried with her. And so that's really how the story ends. Jesus is crying with her. People see them crying together and they think, wow, Jesus must really love her. And after that happens, he tells them to take the stone away. And Martha, head of the household, Martha's like, oh, it's probably going to smell real bad. He's already been there for four days. And I'm sure, you know, she was right. But he said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And then right when they did that, before anything happened from inside the tomb, Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So that's amazing too. It makes me think when something really good is about to happen, I can get all caught up in the celebration and the moment of everyone. But I also need to remember to be thankful to the one who made it happen. And he does that in front of everyone so that they can also be a part of the experience and the big thing that is about to happen. So after that, he called out, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out and his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And so Lazarus is back, which is life changing. And when we talk about influence, it can be on a small scale, but it can also be on a really big life changing level as we see here. Um, last verse there talks about uh, the people that had been visiting Mary and were there. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So in our world of social media and whatever, I think like you're there, you, you witness it, you believe, and then you tell others, right? And so Unfortunately, they went and told the bad guys, the Pharisees, Um, but that's what I think about. There's a group message, there's a post, there's a story, there's a picture, there's something that spreads what's happening. And I think that when younger people see what is happening in your life and you affect them, then they have a circle of influence and that's going to make a difference with the people that they hang out with too. And so it's an amazing story. Like I said, it's life-changing for Lazarus and really everyone who witnessed that moment got something from that today. And so something that's really neat and I think important about this story is not just that it's a story in the Bible about these people, but it's what we're doing here today. I mentioned that the values that we hold here in our hearts and we really take seriously are honor, honesty, and hospitality. And we see all three of those in this story, which is really neat. We look at um, right away, Martha and Mary going to Jesus. They point to Jesus. Jesus can do something. He has the power to make a change. They also, Jesus showing up when he didn't have to show up, right? He could have just said, uh, Lazarus, come back to life. And then that happens wherever he's at. But he showed up. So he honored Mary and Martha and Lazarus by taking the time to show up for them and traveling there because he couldn't just catch a flight to get there. 
Um, number two, doing what you say and saying what you do. That's all based on honesty. And we talked about the importance of honesty in relationships to build trust. But we value that here. We talk about preparing a space. I've already mentioned kind of what we do for Sunday mornings. But more than that, how we want to walk with people and be a part of your journey and your story because it is better to do it together. So action step for today. What do we do with what we just heard? How do we have a greater influence? Here's my challenge. Right now, where you're sitting, you think of a young person who is about to start school. Maybe it's younger school, maybe it's college. One of those things. Think about a young person and pick them in your mind. It can be a family member, it can be a friend, a friend of a friend, whoever that is for you. We choose that person. And then we're gonna honor them. We're gonna invite them. We're gonna show them that they mean enough to us that we want to spend time with them. So invite them to something, something that you know they would enjoy. It's easy to invite them to something that we would want to do too, um, but let's pick something that they would like to do. And right now I think more of like back to school, it might be back to school shopping, it might be a lunch or a meal of some sort to celebrate them, it might be coffee, a hike. Um, we're going to have popsicles out here in a second. We also have a park date coming up on Saturday where we just meet at Fossil Creek Park and play with the kids. and parents get to hang out or adults get to hang out, but you're spending time with them and we're keeping our word, right? So that's our integrity piece of that. Whatever we plan, we hold it up and then we're with them. Ask them questions. What are they looking forward to? What are they nervous about? How can you help and support them? That's our hospitality piece where we want to be with them and we want them to feel that we're with them. We don't just want to say that we're in their corner. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.